0: Well, here's a pop quiz from last week, and I'm going to give you a hint. Alec has already shared with us the answer to the question. So um, think about last week, right? We talked about how the Bible points us to a specific person for a specific reason. So think about it. Get your mind working just a little bit. It's the same thing that I had you guys repeat back to me over and over and over again. I want you guys to it's a fill in the blank test this morning. Super easy. You can ask your neighbor for help, however you want to do it. But I need you guys to say it back to me to make sure that we're locked in from last week, because last week flows so perfectly into what we're looking at this morning, right? We learned that last week, the Bible, all of the Bible, or Scripture, however you want to say it, points us to who? Jesus as our Savior. God, the Bible points us to Jesus as our Savior. And we saw it in Luke 24 this past Sunday. We're going to be there again. If you've got a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> and also put a little bookmark in Acts chapter 1. We're going to be looking at Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, and it, the same guy wrote both of them, and Luke 24 flows into Acts 21, almost like it's, it's just the next chapter, the next step, the next thing, and we'll see how that works this morning. <clears throat> in Luke 24 last Sunday, we saw that, that that's still the day. Right, or it, it sort of flows into the day right, of Easter Sunday. Right? A lot of the events that happened in Luke 24 happened the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The day that Jesus came out of the grave. And we're, This morning we're going to finish Luke 24 and this is what we're going to see. We're going to see that Jesus really is who he says he is. He did what the Bible said he was going to do. And here's the cool thing. He has equipped you and me, and your parents, and your life group teachers, and every follower of Jesus to continue the ministry that he started on earth. Right, Everybody look up here. Jesus started something, and he has equipped you to continue it. Right, Jesus began something, and there's this call, this expectation in the life of those who would say they're followers of Jesus to continue the ministry of Jesus. So you and I (coughs) have a job to do. Right? You and I have been given a specific call, a job from God to do exactly what he's called us to do. And we're going to see it in Scripture this morning. So if you got your Bible, Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 36. And it says this, as they were talking about these things, what are these things? Let me catch us up. Last week, Jesus appears. He's walking on the road, right? He just sort of jumps in with two guys walks down the road with them, he explains scripture to them, they understand it, they eat dinner together, (coughs) and then these guys see, wait, this is Jesus, he really did rise from the dead, and when they saw it, he was gone, he vanished, He, he took off, and so those two guys that realized it, understood it, what did they do? They got up and they told people, they ran seven miles back to Jerusalem, they found the disciples, they found the followers of Jesus, they got there, and they were talking about these things. The fact that, hey, guys, Jesus isn't dead. We saw him. Jesus isn't still in the grave. He's alive. We saw him. We talked to him. We had a conversation with him. (coughs) He helped us understand the word of God, understand scripture, and we know that he's the one. As they're talking about these things, continue reading in verse 36, Jesus himself stood among them, and they said to him, peace to you. Or he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled. They were frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit or a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, see my feet, see that it is me. Touch me and see, for a spirit or a ghost, it doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands, and he showed them his feet, and while they still disbelieved because of joy, and were marveling, he said to them, I'm hungry. You guys got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish. And he took it, and he ate it before them. I want you to think about what's going on right here in this passage. Remember those guys last week? They saw at the dinner. They ran back. Jesus is really alive. And so they're telling the disciples, and most of the people in the room that are happening right here, where Jesus is saying, look at my hands and feet, they haven't seen Jesus alive yet. This is their first time to see him after he was crucified. After he was beaten, after he was tortured, their first time to see him after he's put into the grave, and this huge stone goes in front of it. And so when they see him, man, they're freaking out. They're scared. They saw someone that was dead, now alive in their presence, and they were terrified as they saw him, right? They thought that he was a ghost. And the first thing that that I want you to get out of Scripture this morning, if you're taking notes, if you're writing stuff down, is this. Jesus, in this chapter, proved the resurrection, Right? He proved that he rose from the dead. He does three specific things in the presence of these people to prove that he's real and that he's alive. The first thing is that he spoke. Right? He used his words and he communicated with them. Right? He talked to them. He was able to, to share with them about his life. So he spoke. The second thing that Jesus does is he says, touch me. Right? He says, listen, a ghost doesn't have skin. A ghost doesn't have bones. Look. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look where the nails went through. Come and touch my skin. Come and touch me to see that I'm real and that I really am here. And here's the cool thing. If you look at verse 41, it says that that after they touched him, the, the phrase in my Bible says, they still disbelieved because of joy. You know what that means? It says they're in this phase where they're like, okay, I'm getting there, but this is too good to be true right, disbelief or joy, and their minds are saying, this is too good to be true. I want to believe it. I hope I can believe it, but it's just too good to be true. You know what somebody tells you, right? If it's too good to be true, it's probably not, right? So in this case, they're thinking, man, this is too good to be true. Can it really be that he's alive? And so Jesus says, yes, I am alive. Touch me, see me, and let me take it to the next step. He does something that for us might not seem significant, but to them, super significant. He says, I'm hungry, right? I don't know about you. I don't think about ghosts very much, but, but this is something that they would have seen and been like, ghosts don't eat, and Jesus is eating, and Jesus is hungry, and he's eating, it. this has got to be it. It's got to be him. He's got to be real. So he proved that he did, in fact, that he was alive, right? He proved that he was alive, and the cool thing is this, that he didn't appear to just these guys, right? In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we see that he spent 40 days, right, walking around teaching people, So it wasn't just this one time, right, that that same Sunday he rose from the dead with a few of his select disciples, 40 days Jesus was out there, 40 days he was walking around, 40 days he was talking to people about what God had done, and the cool thing is this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that he appeared to over 500 witnesses, 500 people saw the risen Christ, 500 people saw Jesus after he died on the cross for my sins, And for your sins, after he defeated death and rose again, 500 people saw him. It wasn't limited to just a few followers to go out and spread this story. He showed himself to so many different people. And so he proved that he rose again. And the second thing that we need to see is this. Guys, when he proved that he rose again, he also proved that he was the Savior God promised. Right? He proved to us that he is the Savior that we had been waiting for. Let's keep reading. Look down at verse 44. It says, then he said to them, these are my words, so, so he's proved to them, he said, touch my hands, give me some food, give me some fish, okay, they're, they're with him, that he's alive, now he's taking them to the next step, helping them to see in their mind and their heart what's going on. He says, these are my words, that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, pause there, what is the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms? What is that? What is he saying? Think about it, right? He's proving that he is who he says he is, right? Why is he talking about the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms? Guys, that's Scripture, right? He's referring to Scripture. When he says all of Scripture points to me, that's the Old Testament, right? He's saying that this is pointing forward to me. So look back in your Bibles. Right? It all must be fulfilled. Then in verse 45, he says he opened their minds to understand scripture. Guys, Jesus is teaching them scripture. He's going back to that, showing them what scripture says about him so they can know and trust and believe that he is the Savior. He's taking them back to the things that the prophet Isaiah said about his crucifixion. He's taking them back to the things that Zachariah said about him coming into the city. He's taking them back to those things so they can see. Okay, you're, you're not just a good teacher. You're not, I mean, you are the one that the Old Testament is pointing us forward to, and he's helping their minds to understand Scripture. Verse 46, it says, it's written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day he would rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses. Everybody say, witnesses. Witnesses. You're witnesses of what? Of these things. You're witnesses of the fact that he died, that he rose, that he is who he said he is, that he did what the Bible said he would do. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay here in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So listen. He proved that he rose from the dead. He proved he's the Savior. The Bible points to him as the Savior. The things that were written about him, 500, 1,000, 1,500 years before he was born, point to him as the Savior. He fulfilled all of that, right? Everything that was written in Scriptures. Guys, it's important for us to know Scripture. It's important for us to know the Word of God. Of God. I mean, that's how Jesus is proving to them, reminding them, showing them that he is who he says he is. He's pointing them back to Scripture. He's saying, look at my life and everything I've done. It lines up with Scripture. Guys, we've got to have our minds and our hearts plugged in to the word of God. And here's the cool thing, right? As he again confirms to his disciples who he is, right? He lets us know what's next. He lets us know what's next. He says, this is what's happened. This is who I am. And by the way, guys, this is what's coming. He says, you're my witnesses. Say witnesses again. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're my witness. Be a witness. Whatever. We're in, all of us in here, guys, we're witnesses. He says that to them, but here's their response. Let's see how Luke 24 ends. I love, love, love the response. Look down at verse 50. As Jesus led them out of the city, Right? He lifts up his hands. He blessed them while he's blessing them. The Bible says that he's carried up in to heaven. And verse 52 was so cool to read this week. It says, as the disciples worshipped him, they returned to Jerusalem with great, what is that word? Joy. They, Jesus had left. Right, Jesus up in heaven. He's gone. And their hearts are full of what? Joy. He's gone, but their hearts are full of joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God, listen, guys, they believed that Jesus rose again. They believed that he was the savior and their response to him rising from the dead, their response to Jesus proving that he is the one that came to save us from our sins, the response is a three-letter word that starts with a J. What is it? Joy, there's joy in their hearts. Guys, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus brings us to a place of joy. Our hearts should be overflowing with joy and as their hearts are overflowing with joy, what do they do? And they go to the temple, they're praising God, they're singing praises to God. Alex said it up here from the beginning. We don't just read words off a screen, man. He showed us how our, our songs are tied into Scripture, and we're, we're singing praises back to God. Their hearts are full of joy, and they're singing praises to God. And, and here's the, the cool thing. I, I think that we see this in the lives of those disciples, and I think that we see this in the lives of, of some believers today, guys. <coughs> As our hearts are full of joy, right, that that, that relationship with Christ, it, it, it fills us. And as it fills us, it flows from us into the lives of other people, right? Our relationship with Jesus should be what fills us up. And as it fills us up, it will flow out of us into the hearts and lives of other people. The love of Christ will flow out of us. The joy of Christ will flow out of us. The hope that we have in Christ will flow out of us into the lives of other people. Guys, when we're full of Christ... When we're full of Christ, he's going to flow out of us and we're going to do what he has called us to do. In Luke 24, he calls us to be witnesses. Witnesses of these things. And then in Acts 1.8, we see some more clarity to the mission. Flip over to Acts chapter 1. Hopefully you put that bookmark in there earlier. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Right? This is the, the same thing. This is tying together. It's two different books of the Bible, but it's written by the same guy, right? And it's almost like sort of that baton passing time where, where Jesus is going away, and the disciples are now having to step up. Acts chapter one, verse eight says this, "But you, talking to His followers, right? Jesus talking, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, His followers, His disciples, will be my witnesses." You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The disciples, the followers, are making a transition. They're they're, they're making a transition to something else. Jesus calls them what? Look at Acts 1.8. You will be my what? It's the same word we said from Luke 24. The followers of Jesus, man, we're, we're witnesses for Jesus now. Something is changing here. Something is different. We are now Witnesses for him. He's passed the baton off to his followers, right? You've seen the relay race, right? Where the, the guy that runs the first lap, he's got the baton in his hand. When he gets to the next guy, what does he do with the baton? He passes it on. Champ, when he passes it on, what's the second guy do? He takes it. He's got to start running. He says he's got to start running. What happens if he takes the baton and sits down? You lose the race. The third guy never gets the baton, he doesn't get a chance to run his leg of the race. Guys, when the baton's passed, we got to take it, and we got to go. When the baton's passed, we've got to receive it, and we've got to complete our mission. We've got to run our leg of the race, right? The baton is being passed to his followers here. They've got to receive it, and they've got to begin running their leg of the race. You can't drop it. You can't quit. You can't sit down, or the people that are coming after you don't have a chance to get what's going on. So the third thing I want you guys to to make sure you understand is this, guys. We must pass the baton, right? Write it down. That's number three. Pass the baton and next to it in big capital letters with a star or a heart or a cross or a cloud, something around it, right? Tell people about Jesus, right? That's what that means. We've got to tell people about Jesus. We have to tell people about Jesus. We can't get the baton and sit down. We can't get the baton and quit the race. Man, if we've got the baton in our hand, the love of Jesus is going to flow through us and carry it to the next person and to the next group of people that he's called us to do. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses. Guys, we have clear instructions. And let me just say this. Everybody look up here. Make sure everybody's up, okay? Guys, people, people should be coming to know Jesus because you know Jesus. I want you to think about that. People in your life should be coming to know Christ because you have a relationship with Christ. People that that I know, people that I come in contact with, should be coming to know Christ because I have a relationship with Christ. And that's how God set it up. That's what's happening here. Right, people around me should be following Jesus because I'm following Jesus. I'm a witness, right? I, I know what God's word says. I have a relationship with Christ. I'm a witness to what He's done in my life. I've got the baton, guys. The people around me should be coming to know Christ because I know Christ, and it's not just me; it's you too. It's followers of Christ. People should be coming to know Jesus because you and I know. Jesus, that there's no other way to understand what God's word says here. And it's supported in so many other passages of scripture. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 28 on the side of it, right? And in Matthew 28, we see the Great Commission go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, right? So, so Matthew 28, I may mean, Jesus again tells his followers, if you're a follower, he's telling you to go. In Matthew 22, we see the greatest commandment that Jesus gives. He says, the most important thing you can do is to love God with all you've got. He says, the second thing, most important command for anyone that's a follower of Christ is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I can't think of anything more loving than to tell someone about Jesus. I can't think of anyone more loving or anything more loving than to tell someone how their sins can be forgiven, how they can experience a right relationship with God, how they can have the hope, promise, and future of eternity in heaven. I can't think of anything more loving than to share that with somebody else. So, guys, we've got to pass the baton. We've got to share Jesus with the people around us and here's the thing you might think I don't know enough you might think I haven't been around this enough you might think I'm not qualified you might have all of these things running through your heads you might think this is a little bit intimidating for me and I promise you right you can do it God has equipped you with everything that you need to do what he's called you to do he wouldn't send you out to do something that was impossible for you to do God's given you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do look back at Acts 1.8 Right? There, there's three things that I want you to see come out of Acts 1 8. Right? Sort of the overarching thing is we got to tell people about Jesus. And then three things that make it possible is this, guys. Guys, we have power for our mission. Right? We have power to do what God's called us to do. We have the power to tell people about Jesus. Look at it. The verse says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Think about Peter. When Jesus was on trial before the rooster crowed, what did Peter do? He denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. Right? And, and Peter, right, through this series of denials, right, like he's running away from a little girl that's accusing him of being a follower of Christ. And, and he's shrinking back. He's running away from it. Well, <clears throat> after the Holy Spirit comes and fills Peter up, what does Peter do at Pentecost? And he stands up and preaches in front of thousands, right? Not in an area where he would have been welcomed, right? There are people that still didn't like followers of Christ, people that were trying to get rid of followers of Christ, but the Holy Spirit filled him up, and he's sharing the gospel in a huge way, and thousands trust in Jesus and get saved. Guys, the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that they gave Peter that power, resides in you and me if we are followers of Jesus. Listen, it's our mission, right? God has given us the mission. He's put the baton in our Hand, but it's supposed to be accomplished through his power, right? Accomplished through his Holy Spirit working inside of us. Jesus promises it right here in John chapter 16. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit a little bit, and Jesus says, it's actually to your advantage that I go. When I go, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the, the helper from my Father, to be with you always so Jesus is talking about this holy spirit that will equip us and give us the power that we need to do what he's called us to do please 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 don't try to go out and do it on your own don't try to go out and manufacture something on your own follow Jesus walk with Jesus and the bible says that that holy spirit will guide you will teach you will instruct you give you the words to say as you're sharing the gospel. So don't be intimidated. Don't be scared. And trust the power of God at work in you and get out there knowing that as you do what God's called you to do, you're doing it with His power and not your own. So we have a power for the mission. Look back at Acts 1-8 again. (coughs) We have a place for the mission. Right? We have a place for the mission. Right? (coughs) In your mind, think about a map. Right? It says, Jerusalem so look at my hands. We got these little circles. I'll do it with my hands. We got Jerusalem, right? That's where they're at. Right here, this little dot. And then he says, Judea, it's a little bit bigger. Samaria, a little bit bigger, still close, but now we got people of different background ethnicities, right? With different people are coming into this in Samaria. <clears throat> and then he says, to the ends of the earth. Guys, the gospel is supposed to spread. It's supposed to go out. They were never supposed to keep it right there. Here's the deal: he passed the baton. They took the baton, they accepted the mission, they began to share the gospel. Guys, Jerusalem's a long way away from here. But somehow, us on the other side of the world have heard the good news of Jesus. Think about that. It's not isolated, it doesn't sit in one section of the world. The gospel is spread across the world because the followers of Jesus over the centuries have understood their role as witnesses. Followers of Jesus have understood their role to tell other people about Christ. Listen, if they wouldn't have got that, if they would have said, no, we're not strong enough, we can't do it, we don't know what to say, we don't feel good about it, we're not equipped, we're embarrassed, We're not whatever, if they would have said all those things, man, the gospel wouldn't have spread the way that God has called and designed for it to spread. But, but people over the centuries have understood their role, and it has spread. So look at Acts 1-8. Put it on the screen, guys, if you got it. <coughs> and if you don't look in your Bibles, right? Acts 1-8. I want you to think about how the gospel could, could spread for you. Maybe Jerusalem, it could be your neighborhood. Maybe it's Memorial Northwest. Maybe it's Glenlock Farms. Maybe it's Wimbledon. I don't know. It could be your house, whatever. Think about how, how your circles are, right? That, that's your closest area, right? Judea, maybe that's your school. <coughs> Write down. Think about your school. Uh, then your, your city, state, to the ends of... Of the earth, And basically, as you're looking at Acts 1-8 on the screen, I want you to think, know, and understand that God has placed you somewhere for a reason, right? That God has placed you somewhere for a reason. You are strategically placed, intentionally placed where you are to tell the people where you are about the hope that you have in Jesus, right? Maybe it's a school. Maybe it's an office building. Maybe it's a neighborhood. Maybe it's a friend group. I don't know what it is, but God's placed you there, just like the disciples had this place and these places to share the gospel. Man, so do we. So do we. So write it down, right? Wherever it is, whatever it is, write it down and know this is my place. This is where God has called me. Listen, for me, one of the places that the God has me right now it's the baseball field, right with my with my kids. Right? I, I had the chance to, to share the gospel with a, a coach of the other team last week and invite him and his family to join us at our church. This is one of those things where, where God opened a door, God initiated a conversation. I was at a place where God had strategically placed me, and I got to do it and share it right there in the middle. And let me just confess to you that my mind wasn't actually on that at the time. I was just talking to him about, about baseball, and God brought something completely different into the conversation and opened the door for us. Guys, And God will do that. Guys, God will do that. So think about where God has placed you. We all have a place for it. And here's the incredible thing. God has power for the mission. God has a place for the mission. And God has people to accomplish the mission. Think about it. Look at Acts 1-8. Who are God's people to do the mission? Look at it. Look on the screen. Acts 1-8. It's up there. Who are the people to accomplish this? Who are the people that God wants to work in and through to make this a reality? Huh? What? What do you say? I'm hearing a lot of middle schoolers. I'm not hearing a lot. Who who are the people, right? We are, but you, right? Followers of Jesus. God has called us to do this, right? God has people for this. You are the people. I am the people. We are the people. Look around, right? Look around, seriously. We are the people that God has called to do this. Followers of Jesus are witnesses For Jesus, let me say something real quick. I want you to think about this. If you're not a witness for Jesus, I'm not sure that you're really following Jesus. Look up here. If you're not a witness for Jesus, I'm not sure that you're really following Jesus. Jesus said, My followers hear my commands and obey my words. Jesus said that his followers will be people that do what he says. He's called us. He's told us to be his witnesses. He hasn't suggested it or said, hey, this would be a great idea. I mean, he's told us and called us. So guys, followers of Jesus will be witnesses for Jesus. It's it's plain as day in Scripture. We can't get around it, right? We, We can't explain it away. We can't say, you know what? My student pastor, he's going to go and share the gospel and lead people to Christ. We can't say, you know what, our senior pastor is going to go and do it. We can't say my life group teacher teaches every Sunday. They're supposed to share the gospel with other people. Man, read scripture. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you are also a witness for Jesus. We're not supposed to keep that in. We're supposed to, to hand it out, right? The love of Jesus should flow from us into the lives and hearts of other people as, well, guys, it's not okay to not tell people about Jesus. In fact, I would say, I would go as far as to say, guys, we are being disobedient to the command of Christ if we're not telling other people about Jesus. Think about that. Jesus told us to do it. It should flow from us. It should be who we are. It should be what we do. Not out of the sense of duty or obligation, but because we love Jesus so much. We are so thankful. We are so full of joy for what he did that we can't keep it in, that it flows from us. Back to Luke 24, right? As Jesus goes up, the disciples were full of joy, right? They're excited. They're full of joy because of who Jesus is, what he did, right? And the way that he saved us from our sins. They're full of joy and they can't help but share it with other people. So guys, the same way, we shouldn't. We shouldn't keep it in. We should be to a place where we can't keep it in, and we've got to share it with other people. I've got a question for you. Who'd you write down, don't say it out loud, on your multiply cards? Right, a lot of, uh, of us in here made a commitment just a couple weeks ago that we were going to invest in and share the gospel with two people strategically and intentionally. Write down those names in your, your journal or in, in your Bible or whatever right there. Write down those names. I want them on paper again. Just get those names down again. A couple months ago in February at Freedom Weekend, right, we filled this up with names of people that we wanted to share the gospel with, that we thought or that we knew didn't know Jesus so that we could go and share the love of Christ with them, guys, I want you to think about this, right? Hundreds of names, maybe a thousand plus names are, are written down on those multiply cards, right? 500 or so names are written down on these canvases up here. What do you think God would do if we, as His followers, would also be witnesses and share the gospel with these people? Right? Think about how God would be at work in our schools, in our teams, in our community, in our neighbors. I mean, think about what would happen, right, if our mindset shifted to where everywhere we went, we were on mission for God. Everywhere we went, we were trying to be a witness, like God's called us to be a witness in the hearts and the lives of other people. Think about the mindset shift in all of us and what that would do for the people in our community. What if, what if half of these people since Freedom Weekend had had the gospel shared with them? And what if half of them had trusted Christ? That's 100 people that were separated from from a a holy God by their sin, that would would have had their sins forgiven and entered into a right, real relationship with God and now have the hope and the promise and the future of eternity in heaven with God the Father. Witnesses. And the baton is is in our hand, right? It's God's mission. It's going to be accomplished by the power of God But God has chosen, though he did not need to, God has chosen to work through you and me, right, as his followers, as people who have been saved by grace, as people who have been touched by his love. God wants to work through us into the lives of other people as well. And here's the deal. You can do it. I'm going to give you some examples, and I didn't tell any of these people that I'm doing this, so I apologize if it embarrasses you, but some good examples here, right? We were in Haiti just a couple of weeks ago. Right, And one of the things that, that we did in Haiti is we walked around from hut to hut sharing the gospel in these villages. And every student that went on the trip had interactions with, with older people, with younger people, where they clearly and profoundly shared the gospel. They were a witness to what Jesus had done with other people. But, but there was this one. Uh, we were at this hut. Courtney White, one of our seniors, was there. And it was so cool. We, we got right in front of this guy. We began to share the gospel with him. There was this long back and forth, and Courtney was answering his questions about scripture. She was answering things that he didn't understand. She was explaining to him who he was, who Jesus was, and how Jesus had died on the cross to save his sins. She got out her journal, pulled a piece of paper out, drew it out for him, wrote it out for him, worked through a translator. At the end of the exchange, the guy trusted Christ and gave his life to Christ because she was equipped, she was ready to share the gospel with someone, the guy trusted in Christ. There's a senior uh, at our Jersey Village campus, and his name is Dylan. And two years ago, Dylan shared the gospel with one of his friends at school, right, at the lunch table, the guy trusted in Christ. This kid's family doesn't go to church anywhere, right? But he's been faithfully coming to church every Sunday and Wednesday for years with Dylan. And this year, right, he's being equipped and trained to go on a mission trip to share the gospel with other people. As well, because Dylan, at the time a 10th grader, at his lunch table, shared the gospel. And the kid trusted in Christ. Yesterday, at our girls' conference, there were a few girls that were here that were invited by some of you guys. right? That they don't normally come to our church, they were invited, they reached out. And yesterday, during the invitation at the last session, three of them trusted in Christ. Gave their lives to Christ because people, because you reached out and invited them to come and hear about what God was doing. Listen, don't think I'm too young. Don't think I've got to wait until I'm older to do this. Guys, God has you placed where you are right now to be a witness for him, to bring glory and honor to him. And so here's a question. I just want you to think about it for a second. right? This is not an impossible thing. Right? This is something that God's called us to, that He has prepared us for, that he has equipped us for, right? that he expects his followers to do. And it's the most loving thing that we can do for the people around us. <coughs> but as I think about Dylan and his story, as I think about those girls yesterday that, <coughs> that invited and brought people in, my question is this. Who is in here today? Right? Or who is trusted in Christ, who has a relationship with Jesus because you were faithful to God's call on your life. I want you to think about that. And who has trusted Jesus? Who has a relationship with Christ because you are a faithful witness like God has called you to be? And here's the deal, right? If you're thinking, man, I, I don't know, or I'm not sure, or I, I can't think of a name, here, here's the deal. Right? We've, we've got time to run the race. None of us knows how much time we have, but we've got time right now run the race. So if you're thinking, man, I've never shared the gospel. I'm ready to start. Let's go. Right, guys, we can do it. We can get out there and do what God's called us to do and start now running the race, telling people about the God that changed our life, telling people that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he was going to do, and he can forgive their sins and bring them into a right relationship with Christ. Guys, we've got to run our race. All of us have got to run our race. And here's when it's going to happen. All right, this is when we're going to run. We're going to run when we're full of Jesus. Okay, we're going to run when we are full of Jesus. If Jesus hasn't captured our heart, and if you haven't trusted in Christ as Savior, how can you invite someone else to do something that you've never done? Because we've got to run the race. We've got to let others know what God has done. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to ask you two questions with your heads bowed, and I just want you to consider them in prayer this morning. And we know that Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he said he was going to do. He is our Savior, and as followers of Christ, he has equipped us and called us to share those truths with the people around us. So I've got two questions, and I think that, that they'll cover everyone in the room. And the first question is just very simple. It's where is your heart with Jesus? Where is your heart with Jesus? It's really possible, and we have so many new people every week, it's really possible that there's people in here this morning that might not yet have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, might not have entered into a relationship with Christ. Three girls did yesterday, two students did last Sunday, as they understood that Jesus is the one that God promised. Jesus did die on the cross and the only way for our sins to be forgiven for our heart to be right with God is to trust Jesus. So where is your heart with Jesus? Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church service times or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day, and God bless.